Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode on Movius Ministries podcast. This is your friend Josiah. This is season 23 episode 226. Today, Lord willing, we're going to be getting into knowing your identity in Christ part 3. We are doing our third message on this series for those who uh, trusting Christ for their sins. Um, they are justified by God. This is a message for them. Now, for those of you that do not know Christ or for those of you that are new to um, new to Christianity and you're not sure about, um, you know, what, what, it, what is sin and, and, and who is Jesus, and we are going to get into that today. Um, the gospel essentially is that we are all born into Adam and that's that that means that we're all born into sin um, it, it, it's what people call original sin and uh, so through one man through Adam all are born of sin but through another Christ Jesus for those who trust in him are made righteous when you put your trust in him you are a renewed person. You become born again. You are now um, enlightened into the spiritual realm. You gain understanding of things. There may be things that you get confused about, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, and he is our counselor um, to help us through things and help us to give us understanding. Paul prays that that, that the eyes of the understanding of our hearts, it's, it's a paraphrase in Ephesians 3, would be enlightened. So here on Movius Ministries, I, with the help of the Holy Spirit, thank God, do my best to interpret scripture, help you grow in your intimacy with the Lord, encourage you to remain steadfast through tough seasons, because Lord knows I know what that's like, and continue to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. If you're new to my podcast or have been listening for some time now, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Over two years ago, God told me to start this podcast and start using the teaching gift that he has graciously given me. And my only prayer in today's episode, I say it every week and I mean it, that God's will is done in your life. If you have any questions or comments about today's sermon, you can email me at josiahmovius12 at yahoo.com. Please do not hesitate. I really do mean that. If you have anything you want to talk to me about, I'm here to help. I am the Lord's servant of many. I'll have the email in the description below. Um, my For some reason, my Yahoo Mail only works under Wi-Fi. I've tried to go to T-Mobile to fix this, and uh, they've fixed it, and I try it under data, and then it works, and then the next day it goes back to normal. So I'm like, okay, whatever, I'm just going to stick with it. I'll just have to keep in my mind when I need to answer an email that's urgent. So anyway, um, the verse of the day here on Movius Ministries is Romans chapter 8. Super interesting how we're, we're beloved, we're, we're getting into this part three of knowing your identity in Christ, believing in it, having confidence in it. And the verse of the day is out of Romans 8. Yeah, I think that's definitely not by coincidence. So let me let me grab it real quick. Romans 
Romans 8, 6, Now the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the spirit is life and peace, the spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God both now and forever. I love that verse. It seems that Paul's signifying a certain transformation that has happened towards the group of people that he is writing to during this time. Let's open in prayer. Abba, we thank you so much for adopting us as sons and daughters. Um, Lord, I do not know this person that's listening. Uh, I don't want to gaslight them. That's a sin. Um, Lord, I do pray for those who are saved and... I just, I pray that you would give them that affirmation, Father. Bring them that confirmation. I pray that um, the words that we're going to read out of your word would be encouraging and convicting. Father, please give me energy in today's podcast. I'm tired and I, I need your, I need your strength. I ask that you would empower me. And give me strength in my weakness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we will only be getting into a little bit of Greek in today's episode. Just to give you a heads up. So, uh, if you like the song that's playing, uh, it's I, I've played it before. I can't, I don't know how to pronounce the first word, but it's in parenthesis, after the word, it, it says in parentheses one spirit by Waldner Worship. Um, so, okay, here we go. Beloved, I have been loving this series through looking at and knowing your identity, your identity in Christ. I have been getting so much renewing in my mind with understanding things. I have had uh, my my rough mental health days, whether it's that or spiritual warfare, uh, and God has carried uh, me. I, I have B. I should change that. God has carried me through. Uh, God has given me to Christ, and the same goes for all of you who follow Jesus daily. I've been uh, feeling more confident in Christ recently. Whenever I pray or say the words Abba or Father, I can feel that moment of awe of, wow, I'm actually talking with my dad right now. It's this renewing I've been seeing in my mind, and God even spoke to me, um, I think, I believe it was a couple days ago or even today, um, I was just praying about a lot of stuff I was dealing with, and the Lord just spoke to me and said, I'm renewing your mind, and I've been seeing a little bit more of it recently. It's It's hard to explain what it feels like, but it's it just feels like um it feels like there is a type of renewing there's a type of like like having a more clear conscience about things it's hard to kind of just it, just healing in emotions as well um i don't mean to sound new agey there but i i've been i've been really experiencing god's grace in that type of atmosphere so 
Now I'm gonna give some wide context and backstory before we get into um, before we get into uh, this really good chapter that we're gonna get into in the book of Romans. I'm not gonna tell you what chapter it is because it's a chapter that a lot of us know and a lot of us relate with it. And I'm sure there are many questions that run through your mind about this passage. Um, but just hang in here with me, you'll understand. Friday, September 15th, I went to work. I had a great workout on the stair stepper and then lifted weights after. I had a great meal. I knew I had on my schedule to work on this podcast. I wasn't sure what chapter I was going to use for the subject again of being confident in Christ. I, I I prayed and had moments of worry because time was running out. I'm like, I just I just I just went to work. I worked out. I ate, and I'm like, Lord, I I'm trying to work. I I don't know what passage of scripture I'm going to be working on. Um, and the Lord just kept speaking to me saying, I'm going to show you, don't worry. The Lord then showed me and reminded me of, of the famous, well-known Romans chapter seven. This is a chapter that I have had moments of feeling so much comfort, but sounded too good to be true. Sometimes it was kind of a a balance I kept dealing with in, in moments of reading this chapter. The full thing too, the full context. Um, or even also, not just, even just a few verses that were comforting for me in moments of certain things I was dealing with. I remember reading an article about Romans chapter 7 a while ago about this chapter. And the writer tried to describe, they tried to um, bring, the, bring this case forward that Romans 7 is not talking about a born-again Christian. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. I'm not saying that to put fear in you. I'm just going to say this early on. I'm going to explain why that is a false teaching. We're going to get into that here. We're going to get really deep. It is a false teaching, and I'm I'm really, really firm on it, beloved. When I re- when when I when I read the article, um, it really did scare me. Honestly, I looked at past events of my life and things, uh, like I once I started reading the article, I was looking at past events of my life, and then as I'm thinking, things just didn't make sense to me at that point. Like as I'm thinking in my mind, I was thinking to myself subconsciously. Uh, can God radically change me any more than what he has already done? That's not me saying that there isn't more change and sanctification to be done. There is, but I'm definitely not who I used to be. I don't watch porn. I'm just going to be really blunt and honest. You guys have heard me say it before. I don't masturbate. I, I don't. The Lord has circumcised my heart. Um, I don't find my salvation in that, but my faith in Christ has produced those works. That's that's what James says. So um, there's a t- there's a certain type of faith that God approves of. That then that's the faith that God goes, okay, you're righteous. I I see you totally righteous. Because Paul says no one will be justified through works of the law, but through that faith, through that certain type of faith, type is the key word in that sentence. God approves of, and then automatically, it's, 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 it's without choice, it's through the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, comes good works. Paul says in Galatians, uh, faith working through love. 
The reason why the article thought that it was talking about someone pre-conversion was because when Paul says in verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. That word I is being used in a pa- in a past tense in the original language. Therefore, this is this is this is what the argument of the article was trying to make. Therefore, a Christian should be uh, changed to not do so anymore. And what do I mean by do so? I mean whatever particular sin that you're dealing with as you relate with Romans seven. Now let's break this down carefully, okay? We're going to dissect behind what this person is really saying. And I'm going to say this with all gentleness and all humility, okay? I'm going to go ahead and affirm, and again, I'm just going to say it again. This is a false teaching. I'm going to call it out right now. And I'll explain why soon, beloved. My first response to that would be, well, of course, it's being used as a past tense way. Of course it is. Because Paul is talking about something he previously did. It's it's just, that's the way you're supposed to look at it. You're, you're looking at it in a very, like, man-made religion way. And you really are. How can that be used as an aftermath? The reason why I'm saying... Um, aftermath is because that's his doctrine essentially that afterward you should be radically changed i would say changed to what just not sin anymore because of because that's not possible we do try to not sin but if we do sin jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness that's first john 2 1 i do this podcast to encourage you to not sin don't do it But if you do, we have an advocate. I'm preaching something to you that is inspired by God, beloved. It also seems those who hold to that doctrine of what the person's arguing in the the article, they're adding to scripture. They're, They're saying something else needs to happen. Something needs to be changed. When... Uh, it seems in the text, which we will get to eventually, we're going to get through the whole the whole thing, that this person has already been changed. That's, that's what I see in this chapter. And of course, uh, that's when we will break down the context of Romans 7, okay? Because that's essentially what this person is doing when you read it that way. They take it totally out of context. Now, when I look at someone who says something like that, it seems law-based, constantly pointing the finger at you to do something, when instead that's not the gospel. The gospel is that we were dead in our sins, not able to respond to God. Just to, just to elaborate on that part right there, not able to respond to God. This, that's Romans 3, that none seek after God and all have become worthless. And because of that, we're dead in it. You can't be made alive yourself if you're dead spiritually. But Christ pulled us out. God saved us by his grace, his favor. When we hear that kind of doctrine of Romans 7 uh, being for a non-converted person, it seems, honestly, 
a little self-righteous. I don't even. Have, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna italicize right now. Self-righteous. I'm gonna italicize a little self-righteous. Like as if you can do something for yourself or your salvation. That's not biblical. If that doctrine is true, then it gives a man the right to boast for his salvation, and th- that does not go according to scripture. First uh, Corinthians 1, 28 through 29. I, I'm keeping this in context. Don't worry. Out of the NIV, God shows the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And what we just read last week, beloved, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. I just I just want to go off note real quick. I want to go back to that verse. If that verse is talking about a non-believer, how can a non-believer... Because Paul is saying, I mean, he's signifying himself hating sin. How can a non-converted person do that? If that's the case, if that's the case, then, then no one needs to be converted. No one needs to be regenerated. That's my argument. I've also looked at John Piper's and John MacArthur's views on Romans 7 being for an unbeliever and they both disagree for that to be true. So let's dive into it. Romans 7. We're going to read out of the Amplified today, beloved. Here we go. Verse 1. Or do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction to rule over a person as long as he lives? Do you know that? Verse 1, do you know that as long as a person lives, for someone who knows the law, that the law is, it rules over your whole life. Why? Because the law is good. For the married for the married woman, as an example, is bound and remains bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released and exempt from the law concerning her husband. Accordingly, she will be des- designated as an adulteress if she unites herself to another man while her husband is alive. Jesus says in the Gospels, um, if you divorce your husband or your wife he says he says he says if a man divorces his wife but in today's age if a woman divorces a man i think you can still call that adultery he goes if you if you if you divorce your spouse and you go and you marry someone else while they're still alive that's adultery so he's saying paul's saying in verse 3, according, accordingly, she will be designated as an adulteress if she unites herself to another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law regarding marriage. So that she is not an adulteress if she marries another man. Now, Paul is here going to use the analogy of marriage between man and woman and then compare it to us in Christ and us to the law. 
So verse 4, Therefore, my fellow believers, you too die to the law. He's making this analogy through the crucified body of Christ. He's saying, because if, if, if the husband dies, you're free. How can you read that verse and then again think that it's for a non-converted person? That's, it's, you, you can't see that in verse 4. So that you would belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. When we were living in the flesh, trapped by sin, the sinful passion, the sinful passions, which were awakened by that which the law identifies as sin, were at work in our body to bear the fruit of death, since since the willingness to sin led to death and separation from God. What Paul is saying here, for for my paraphrase, is that we didn't know what sin truly was until the law came. Paul Paul elaborates it on this even in Romans chapter four. Or, sorry, Romans chapter 5. But now, verse 6, But now we have been released from the law and its penalty, having died through Christ, so that by which we were held captive, so that we serve God in in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter of the law. This is how we know our identity in Christ. That that how in the world could this be talking about a person who is not changed or circumcised in their heart? Verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, if it had not been for the law, I would not have recognized sin. That part right there. Paul says that in so many different variations in his letters. Especially here in this in this chapter that we read. For I would not have known, for example, about coveting what belongs to another and would have no sense of guilt if the law had not repeatedly said you shall not covet. So there's two things here that I have for verse 7. Number one, the law is a mirror. Okay, and I've used an analogy many times, but you guys will hear me say it again, so... And when we look at ourselves in the mirror in the morning, sometimes we can look like crap, okay? We can just look really bad. (laughs) That's us with the law. Essentially, when you look bad, what do you think? When you're about to go on a date, you're like, we have to shower, we have to do our hair. Uh, If you're you're a guy, uh, you might shave or trim up your beard. Christ is that shower. He purifies us. He makes us white as snow. And you could say doing your hair or shaving or doing your makeup, if you're a woman, are the blessings that we receive from Christ. And that's not me that's not me adding to Christ. That's not me, but essentially that's not me saying that 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 we need more than Christ, but that Christ is everything to us. He's the treasure of our hearts. Number two, people have often wondered what was the sin now okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say this number two, and then I'm going to kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys my point number two, and then I'm going to wonder if what I'm teaching isn't true based on what I just read here in Romans seven, because there's a thought that was kind of passing through my mind as I was reading this. So here we go. People have often wondered what was the sin that Paul was struggling with in Romans seven. You're reading, you're like, what is this thing Paul's struggling with? 
people might go to like 2 Corinthians 12 and be like, was it the thorn in the flesh? I, I don't know. This thought comes uh, once you get uh, the famous well-known verses of this chapter, verses 21 through 23, um, and we'll get to that, Lord willing. I've heard from one pastor who I recently got into. Uh, his name is Andrew Farley. I love his teachings. Um, and it's that Paul struggled with coveting because you get a little hint of it in verse 7. So, I'm just going to read what I have highlighted. For I would not have known, for example, about coveting what belongs to another and would have had no sense of guilt if the law had not repeatedly said you shall not covet. So, I'm wondering here... When it says, for I would not have known, for example. When it says, now, for example, is the italicized. That, that, not italicized. Sorry. That's that's what's bracketed. Um, that's what the Amplified adds in to help you understand the original language just a little bit better. It just gives you a little bit, a little bit more of the roots of what's being said. When it says... For I would not have known, for example, part of me wonders if if Paul is like is like saying, um, I've never struggled with coveting, so here's an example, or here is an example because I have struggled with it. It could go either way. And so I don't know. This is the conclusion I would come to. Is this a salvation issue? No, it's not. Do we have to know what issue Paul was struggling with? No. Um, Paul says, uh, and f it's at the beginning of first, I, I believe it's the beginning of second Timothy. He says, Christ came to die for sinners for whom I am the foremost. Uh, it's a paraphrase there, but when people read that verse, they have to realize this is this is being God-inspired. The Holy Spirit was writing that behind Paul. So whether you find out what sin he was struggling with, Paul said he was the worst of them all. Which is like, like wow. I'm sorry guys, I keep yawning. I had a 10-hour shift today at work. It's been a very long day and I... I had to go to church tonight. I don't say I had to go to church like it was a duty. I, I loved that I went to church, but. So anyway, we can move on, but that's a whole nother kind of subject. So, okay, verse eight. But sin, finding an opportunity through the commandment to express itself, to express itself produced in me every kind of coveting and selfish desire. I want to read that one more time. But sin, finding an opportunity through the commandments to express itself produced in me every kind of coveting and selfish desire. Every kind. Every kind. For without the law, sin is dead. Now, what does it mean by the sin is dead? The recognition of sin is inactive. It's He's, he's repeating himself like he did previously. Verse 9, I was once alive without knowledge of the law, but when the commandment came and I understood its meaning, sin became alive and I died since the law sentenced me to death. I kind of hope you are kind of carrying along with me here and I don't mean to 
some kind of setting there, but I'm just, I hope you're following along with me here. Verse 9, Paul is talking about someone I believe uh, not to be shown Jesus Christ, uh, who he is and what he offers to all men. So I'm going to read verse 9 one more time. I was once alive without knowledge of the law, but when the commandment came and I understood its meaning, sin became alive and I died since the law sentenced me to death. I believe that's talking about someone before they are shown who Jesus Christ is. Verse 10, And the very commandment which was intended to bring life actually proved to bring death for me. Now, what does Paul mean by the very commandment? I, I believe he's talking about the law here. That's, that, that's my understanding. Um, because that's something he continues to elaborate on as we read in today's Romans 7. The reason why I say today's Romans 7 is because, you know, again, there were no chapters in Paul's letters. The reason why I say it again is because I've said that many times. So um, I'm going to read that verse one more time. And the very commandment which was intended to bring life actually proved to bring death for me. Paul, because he says, because it, he, he's just going a little bit deeper into what he's saying before. He's, he's saying, I, I had sinned, but when the law came, then I died. Now, here's a cross-reference that I would use here. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 3.6. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, the letter that I believe Paul is writing to, writing about there is the law. That's what I think. I could be wrong, but that, that's my understanding. Verse seven, or sorry, verse eleven, for sin, seizing its opportunity through the commandment, beguiled and completely deceived me, and using it as a weapon, it killed me, separating me from God. Okay, verse twelve. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. So again, beloved, when we look in the mirror and we see something in our teeth, we go, oh, something wrong with us. So we don't grab the mirror off the wall and try and, you know, get the thing out of our tooth, but rather go, there's an issue with me. Again, the big point Paul is trying to make here as we go 12 verses in, even though I had sinned, I was not truly made known to that until the law came. So verse 13, did that which is good, the law, then become death to me? Certainly not. I'm going to read that one more time. Just because I'm looking for some more understanding in that. Did that which is good, the law, then become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, in order that it might be revealed as sin, was producing death in me by using uh, this good thing as a weapon so that through the commandment sin would become exceedingly sinful. At the beginning of verse 13, I, I get the beginning of first verse 13, but near the end, I don't. There's something for me to learn more here. So anyway, we'll move on. 
So verse 14, there's a new title for this chapter. Uh, or this new, there's a new title for um, these verses. And again, we're still reading out of the Amplified. Is the two the conflict of two natures. So verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual. But I am a creature of the flesh, worldly, self-reliant, carnal, and unspiritual, sold into slavery to sin and serving under its control. Now, here's some footnotes from David Guzik to help us understand this verse more. But I am carnal. The words carnal simply means of the flesh. Paul recognizes that a spiritual law cannot help a carnal man. I love that. That is that that a lot of Christians have that twist and they actually have it turned around. They think that a spiritual that, that that a spiritual law can can help a carnal man, but it can't. It can't. Carnal uses the ancient Greek word sarkios sar, sarkikos. I think that's how you pronounce sarkikos, which means characterized by the flesh. In this context, it speaks of the person who can and should do differently, but they don't. Paul sees this carnality in himself and knows that the law, though it is spiritual, has no answer for his carnal nature. What is his answer? It's Jesus Christ. Here we go. The famous verses, verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions. I am baffled and bewildered by them. That is how I feel when I have lustful thoughts. I'm just going to be honest right now. I'm, I, I'm, I, I, I'm just, I'm today. I struggle with them today. And I, I just, I got a little bit angry. I was just like, I hate this God. To continue verse 15, I do not practice what I want to do. But I am doing the very thing I hate and yielding to my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity. Here's where the tide starts to turn. Verse 16. Now, if I habitually do what I do not want to do, that means I agree with the law, confessing that it is good, morally excellent. So now, if that is the case, then it is no longer I who do it, the disobedient thing which I despise but the sin nature which lives in me now why is that because verse 18 for I know that nothing good lives in me that is my flesh and my my human nature my worldliness my sinful capacity for the willingness to do good is present in me but the doing of good is not For the good I want to do, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want to do, I am no longer the one doing it. That is, it is not me that acts, but it is the sin nature that lives in me. So verse 20 Paul repeats himself in verse 16. I'm going, to read, I'm going to read verse 16 and then right after I'm going to read verse 20. Verse 16, Now if I habitually do what I do not want to do, that means I agree with the law, confessing that it is good, morally excellent. 
Verse 20, but if I am doing the very thing I do not want to do, I am no longer the one doing it. That is, it is not me that acts, but the sin nature that lives in me. There is no way you're going to tell me that this is talking about someone who isn't converted or someone who isn't born again. If that's even the case, then everyone loves God. If you look at it through that lens, everyone loves God. Because obviously, but obviously we know that's not the case. Because Romans 7 is talking about someone who genuinely loves God. But not everyone loves God. We, we read in Isaiah 53, we're all sheep who have gone our own way. So just going back to my notes here, some of you guys know my main sin struggle right now, my main one, is lustful thoughts. I used to confess that sin many times when I used to share my journals uh, on Sundays here on my podcast when I would talk about just how my week was. I would talk about my spiritual ups and downs. I would talk about good and bad things that happened throughout the week. Uh, I would talk about things that God trained me in. I would maybe share a testimony and I would just, you know, share about my week. That was for a season. I have continued, by God's grace, to confess my sins to God when I lust after a woman. Uh, I hate it when I do it. I'm not lying. I God knows I'm not lying right now. This shows me that I delight in God's law. That is the truth. It is. So, beloved, the reason why I say this the reason why I say that is if you sin and you feel bad about it, even in the slightest, if you hate it, praise God. He has taken away the Jeremiah 79 evil, wicked, and deceitful heart and given you the Ezekiel 36:26 heart, a heart of flesh, no longer a heart of stone. What happens if you knock on a rock? If you walk up to a rock and you knock on it, can it respond back? Does it move at all? A heart of stone is one whom God calls and it sits still. It doesn't respond back. It sits and it just stares. It doesn't interact. The heart of the flesh feels the things that God feels, loves the things that God loves, and hates the things that God hates. Verse 21, so I find it to be the law of my inner self that evil is present within me. First John 1, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. So I find it to be the law of my inner self that, that evil is present within me. The one who wants to do good. For I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self. I mean, Psalm 1 talks about this with, oh my gosh. I mean, the Amplified right here opens it right up. Just, I'm going to read verse 22 right by itself. I'm going to read it. I'm just going to let it sit there and marinate. I joyfully delight in the law of God in my inner self with my new nature. I'm still here. Don't worry. 
Verse 23, but I seek a different law and rule of action in the members of my body, in its appetites and desires, waging war against the law of my mind and subduing me and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is within my members. Verse 24, wretched and miserable man that I am, who, who will rescue me and set me free from this body of death, this corrupt mortal existence. Thanks be to God for my deliverance through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Paul wraps it all up and he says, so then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind serve the law of God, but on my, on the other, with my flesh, my human nature, my worldliness, my sinful capacity, I serve the law of sin. That is not talking about someone who's not born again. My last thing that I like to say to the person that's that that's saying something like that is show me what passage of scripture you go to that you're going to keep in context by the way that would signify something I actually need to change more. Please show me. Let's go back to verse 24 real quick where it says wretched and miserable man that I am. That word wretched. I want you to guess how many other times does that word show up in scripture? It's in the New Testament. Well, of course it is. I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> Think for a second. I'll give you a clue. Okay. Where in, in another passage of scripture, where is that pa where is that word used in the New Testament? The clue that I have for you is that it's someone speaking to a church. Someone. I'll give you one more clue. That someone, the word someone that I'm using there, uh, if you were to write it down, it's going to be a capital S. Think about it. I'm just going to let it sit there for a second. While you're thinking, I'm going to go to the passage here in my on-hand Bible. Where do you think you find this word wretched? Now, I don't know the actual Greek word, but that's okay. Where do you find this word in, New, in the New Testament? It's, and how many times do you think it's, how many times do you think it's used? Here we go. Revelation chapter 3. Because you say, I am rich and have prospered and grown wealthy and have need of nothing, but you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked without hope and in great need. That is the only time the word wretched is found in the New Testament. 
That's why I said someone is with a capital S. That's Jesus talking to the church in Laodicea. And if you remember, we did a message here in my podcast about overcoming the Laodicean spirit. I listened to a long series from the International House of Prayers. Many of you guys have heard me mention them. It's an incredible church. I have a dream to eventually move there one day. God's told me that um, it'll happen. I'm just, you know, of course, waiting on him for that. But they have some really good insight about that chapter. Mike Bickle had, an, had a really crazy dream uh, about this chapter in regard to the body of Christ. And it was super insightful. Pretty much, essentially, the dream was that the whole body of Christ is under the Laodicean spirit. It's, uh... I shared my... Uh, own personal journey through the Laodicean spirit um, on that episode so you can check that out if you want it's really insightful it's a two-part series just to let you know so if you listen to part one make sure you listen to part two but that's the only time that's the only time it's used so just go off my notes real quick again there's absolutely no way that you can see verse 25 as someone who is not saved that is demonstrably false Beloved, do you find yourself in this state where you do love God and you obey, you obey his commands and even when you do mess up, you confess it? Even when you do mess up and you and you confess it, you are loving God right there. That is that is you are loving God. But if you want to love him more um You want to cut out this sin completely. That's how I feel about my lustful thoughts. I wish that I, I wish they would just stop. Now they're not things that are just like constantly running. The Holy Spirit helps me to like say no. It'll go away for a few seconds. It'll kind of come back and back and forth. And that's that's Galatians five. That's that's the desires of the Spirit are are constantly at war. They're in the Greek there. It means um. They're constantly in conflict. But I know that when I enter heaven one day, that, that's when my prayer will be answered. That will be my true healing. Whatever sin struggle it is that you want to get rid of and you just you're working on so hard and you may be fasting. If you're not, I'm not going to come down here and, and be, oh, you need to be fasting and doing this more. That is just... I don't like that kind of doctrine. I, I think I don't think that's very humble. That's very preachy. You're not willing to meet that person where he's at and talk to them. Um, and just shut your mouth for a few seconds and let them speak. It's about your heart posture. Now, yes, there are moments where your heart posture becomes so like strong. You're like, okay, I have to fast about this. I've done that. But whatever struggle that, whatever sin struggle you're dealing with, if you're struggling with it, that's God's work in your heart. It has to be. There's no other way. I love Paul Washer. He says there's a difference between habitually sinning and struggling with sin. There is. I mean, Galatians 5. It the, Just go read it. it Paul talks about struggling with sin 
that's essentially the way I would translate it, and I think I'm right about that. When we get into this mindset of struggling with sin, let us look to our King, the Lord Jesus, for our deliverance in our wretched and miserable bodies. He has set us free. He has given us a new heart and he has put his spirit in us. Abba, we thank you so much for your word and how encouraging it can be in moments of spiritual warfare and moments of confusion in moments of struggling with sin, Father. Father, I do pray for a sovereign sway Psalm 119.37, I pray for a sovereign sway, Lord. I pray that they would uh, do what Job did. They would make a specific covenant with their eyes. Help me to do that, Lord. Help us to fight like a dead man. To set our eyes on things above, not on looking at people lustfully, uh, greedy for more things. Help us to be urgent in warfare and show us what is causing us to lust upon things. Or any sin struggle that they're dealing with, Lord, show us what we're dealing with here. Um, help us to be faithful and little and that you will give us, uh, you will you will make us, uh, you will make us, uh, you will give us much. Show us what you want us to be faithful in in this season. Lord, as we close out Romans 7, um, give us understanding of this chapter. Uh, I do pray for the person that's listening and that you would give them discernment through certain teachings that they're being told through TikTok or Instagram or even at church, Lord, that you would just give them a spirit of discernment, Holy Spirit. Thank you for my podcast, Lord, and that you continue to use me, you continue to bless me with this platform to help the body of Christ, enlighten our eyes to the beauty of the Son, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, real quick, I want to share one more thing. Um, I think it was verse 16 where he says, if I do what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it, but the sin living in me. Recently, uh, I've actually been quoting that verse over myself when I struggle with the erotic thoughts. Um, I have experienced, there have been moments where I can, I can feel something, uh, like my emotions uh, feel just better. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like that is the truth. Um, and maybe that's a clear conscience, maybe it's the Holy Spirit, uh, enlightening me to more truth. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach you all truth. Um, maybe it's God's grace. But I challenge you, beloved, if you really are in that state where you find yourself not liking what you do, um, say that over yourself. 
I've heard people say, well, you can only relate this towards the law because that's what Paul's talking about. So if it's something like you're not taking the trash out, you can't be like, oh, I wish I could take the trash out. I'm I'm not doing what I want to do. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think you can apply that verse in that kind of a scenario. But if it's a sin issue you're dealing with, I do think that you can you can apply that verse over yourself. So um Yeah, that verse has been super encouraging for me, so quote that over yourself. Um I you know, I look back at my life about my struggle with um, I mean, I used to, I used to swear like crazy and I never really got convicted about it. Paul talks about people, uh, being weak, uh, in certain convictions. And so maybe that was something I was weak in. And then the Holy Spirit kind of enlightened that to me. That was probably, you know, the Lord's grace. Um, because now when I do say a swear word, I get, I get, I get convicted and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, I don't want to say that. Um, even vaping. Uh, if I were to go out and buy a disposable vape, I would probably get really convicted. So there were moments where I did get, did get convicted when I struggled with that kind of stuff. But I mean, the Lord just carried me through and just gave me a lot of grace. It, it was hard for me to quit. A lot of it's psychological. And I can't explain to you what God did. I Honestly, I mean, God just circumcised my heart. I have no desire to want to do that anymore. I can't even remember like how that all happened. I don't know if I woke up one day and was just like, I'm not going to vape anymore. Or I went to a shop and was like, I'm going to get a vape. And then I was like, no. And then just never did it again. I honestly just, I can't remember what happened. And that may be to the glory of God. Maybe I don't need to know. Maybe it's just to glorify God. And I'm totally cool with that. So beloved, thank you so much for listening to today's episode as we are continuing to know and stand confident in Christ in the midst of sin struggles and tough seasons and even good seasons. This is your friend Josiah. God loves you.